I am so excited. I have my baby brother. Yes, I have a baby brother. I have my baby brother on this program. His name is Apostle Calvin Cook. Actually, his name is Calvin Cook, but the apostle is the other part of it. And um, I am so excited. You know, people talk about relatives. They talk about this. They talk about this. They talk about, you know, this is my brother. This is my sister. This is my daddy. But they don't even know the people. This is a man that I have known for. I met uh, uh, that's been my brother for a lot of years. And, um, you know, just as just as children do in a family, they agree, they disagree, they go through their little changes, you know, uh, just like baby brothers do. Sometimes he pouts, sometimes he picks at me, sometimes he does all of those things. But there is a marvelous man. He is, uh, he shares his family. He shares, um, he has such a generous heart. And I want to welcome uh, my brother, uh, my friend, Apostle Calvin Cook. Welcome to the Tell It Like It Is, the Kingdom Ways program. Hey, Dr. Baker. <laughs> this is going to be an interview. First All right. I'm a, okay, I've never been interviewed before, so I'm a virgin. Oh, okay. Well, at least you're a virgin. Okay. Okay. <laughs> anyway, first. <laughs> See, one of the reasons that we stay that we stay healthy is because a merry heart does good lack of medicine. Laughter is good for us, and we both laugh, we laugh every day. Yep. Every day. Who is Calvin Cook? Tell us a few minutes. Take a few minutes and tell us who is Calvin Cook. Oh, a very simple guy. Uh, been in San Jose since I came back from Vietnam. Uh, I'd say since 1970, I've been in the San Jose area. I came back, uh, well, I came back in Vietnam in 1970. And so I've been here uh, in the Bay Area, uh, uh, been in the church here uh, since early 80, 80, I'm not sure, but somewhere in that area. I've been here for a while, thanks to God. Uh, I'm just a man that uh, has a passion for the things of God. Uh, I don't care about the titles, but I'm not ashamed to be called an apostle because that's how I operate. Mm -hmm. The things that men saw in me, and, and I never did anything on my own. I always went to somebody, somebody that had oversight, had insight to put me in the proper places of ministry that I'm supposed to be in. Uh, I let my pastor uh, define me, discover my gifting, and set me out in my giftings. And I operate right now. So, yeah, I'm, that's all about all you need to know about me. No, that's not all. Okay. Uh, you're married to a fabulous uh, woman because I wouldn't be able to be blonde today if it wouldn't have been for her, you know. So I just I just want you to know that you have kids. Right there. What? <laughs> That was a deep statement right there. Yeah, it is. I mean, she is. She is. She's. Yeah, well, I've been married 49, and, and uh, this coming year, uh, it'll be 50 years. We're going to celebrate uh, our 50th year uh, being together. And uh, I've got uh, two sons. Actually, I raised three sons, but two natural sons. And I got my <laughs> nephew, who is like my son. We helped raise him. I love him like a son. And mm -hmm. uh, his, his wife is our music director here. Yeah. At the ministry and so and then uh, this sunday I had two of my sons uh, in church with me now because calvin came this sunday wow so god is moving in my family with my uh, i tried to be a witness with my life my wife and i and they're seeing that witness and they're coming to the light so i'm i'm a happy camper with my family in the church you know they don't have to be pastor even though one of them is 
Yeah. Could be Powerful young man. Yeah. You know, Powerful young man. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Okay. If the name of your congregation is uh, Golden Altars. How did you come about that name? Well, the, the, the name Golden Altar Ministries came out of my pursuit of the Lord uh, in the tabernacle of Moses. And uh, uh, and when I became pastor of prayer, which is no such thing, but I became a pastor of prayer at that particular time, uh, uh, I studied the, the altar of prayer, which is the altar of incense or the golden altar. Or, and so because of that, uh, after 20 years of being in the prayer ministry, uh, I started an evangelistic ministry called Golden Altar Ministries uh, uh, Teaching Outreach or whatever I call mm -hmm. it. And then when I started, then I started a Christian men's home and I had Golden Altar Ministries Christian Men's Home. And then when I launched the church in 2002, I, I changed it to Golden Altar Ministries World Outreach Church. And so that's how the transition came into. But I, I named the, 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 the church Golden Altar because that was going to be our focus was going to be the presence of God in prayer. Okay, here's here's another question that I have for you. What happened to you? I know that you were uh, the pastor, and and I, I I I disagree with you in saying there's no such thing because I believe that there is a shepherd that leads because I know that I was in some of those, and uh, I believe that there is a shepherd that leads people into prayer. And um, all joking aside, that's something that you did. You did not teach prayer. You did not uh, send people out to pray. But you 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 took the people and and you brought them into the presence. You showed them what the presence was to be about. And this is what you did with us. And this is what what happened. But what led you on the quest to what what was the road to studying the tabernacle? I'm going to say this and then I'm going to allow uh, uh, let well, you. I I, I I I caught interest of the tabernacle because I was listening to Mike Garcia and he was doing a Bible study. <laughs> He mentioned the tabernacle, and so I went to him after after his after his lesson that he had taught, and I said, Pastor Mike, uh, you know what? I'm you caught my interest with that particular, and I said I want you to teach more. He said I'm not going to teach you. I want you to go study for yourself. Yes. So he told me to go get, and I literally got every book on the tabernacle written of man. I mean everything I could get my hands on, and I became a student, and then I ran into some men who not only were teaching the tabernacle, they were living the tabernacle. Kelly Varner, Cecil DeSalle, other ones that were teaching out of the not teaching about prayer, but became prayers. They became prayer. And they were teaching from what they became. And that was that made the difference in the ministry. I'm not praying to get anything from God. I'm praying from God. Yes. Not, not for God, but from being who he is in the earth as he is. I am in New York, too. And so you know, years to get there. This is really interesting. One of the things that I did not know is that uh, uh, Pastor Mark Gar Mike Garcia was instrumental in where it is that you ended up. I mean, what it is that the quest that you went on and that same person was instrumental in my walk. I mean, he was instrumental in that. I went to uh, 
I, I heard some things from him and, and it was only one sermon and went to him and he did something similar. I met, you know, so it, it's, it's really interesting. I mean, we are just related on all these notes. Okay. When you started to study about the tabernacle, when you started to study about the tabernacle of Moses, what were some of the, because I have heard a lot of people, they teach, okay? They talk about the tabernacle, they teach about the tabernacle, but there's no heart in it. It's, um, it, it's this is something to go ahead and do just like the kingdom. You know, people talk about the kingdom of God and there's no real heart in it. It's not something that they have invested their lives in. What made you? How how did you start to to really to, uh, tell, give us take us around the road? We got eight weeks. We have eight weeks, and I'm gonna push and I'm gonna interview you. So take us on this road. Well, uh, what caught my what what made the difference of the tabernacle to me in studying? I found out the tabernacle is just a picture of me, and a picture of Christ, and a picture of the church. It's symbolic, and uh, symbols, metaphors, types. It was the real, it was heaven on earth for the first time since Adam in the garden. And, and so when Jesus was telling his disciples, he said, teach us how to pray. He says, pray that my kingdom come. Well, there in the tabernacle of Moses in the desert of Sinai, the kingdom manifested in type, shadows, and that. And he tells us uh, in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians, he says, I did these things for your examples that you might. So he gave examples. He told us, I'll even get this down here. He told us in Hebrews chapter five, he said, there's some things that are, that, that are really realities in heaven. That are re and these are figures of those types here in the tabernacle. These things that are real in heaven are typed out for you in the tabernacle. And, and as I began to study, I found myself saved. I found what salvation meant. I found out the life of Christ. I found out the fivefold ministry giftings. I, I discovered the life of Jesus and his church in the last day, and all that is all depicted in the tabernacle. I don't have to listen to too much eschatology about the last day. It's revealed in the pattern of the sun that Moses got on the top of the mountain when he went up and, and began to seek the Lord. He found the last day, and the last day's name is Jesus. And see, that's what a lot of us don't understand. People are saying the last day takes place outside of Christ. But Jesus already told you that he's the resurrection, the life. You live and move and have your being. So if you live and move in a place, you have your being, you're going to have the last day in the place where you live. And he is the Aleph and Tav, and he is the Alpha Omega all at one time. And the beginning and the end. That's it. That's what that's we don't have to look outside of Christ to find out what's going on. We have to look at the patterns that he left in the tabernacle. And then and we can walk through a lot of these things in these eight weeks and we can see the reality that we don't have to panic and listen to all the prognosticators and the doom and gloomers because the pattern has been set and it's been set in the sun. Yes, it's the pattern of the sun. And people will argue all the time and say, well, there's many more patterns. No, God only left one pattern and then it graduates, which I'll show you how it goes from the tabernacle of uh, Moses to the tabernacle of David and from the tabernacle of David to the tabernacle of Solomon to the tabernacle of you. Yes. You being the temple, the human being, final work. He said, you tear this thing down. It took 46 years. I'll build this in 3,000 years or in three days. I'll build this man. And we are the new man that God is building. So the tabernacle relates to us present day as we strive for
proper transformation, which we don't strive. We just have to put ourselves in the proper position in him and understand why he put us in him is so that we could be like him. You know, when I look at you, when I think about you, you, you saw, uh, I know you don't watch much television or anything, but I know you know who the Pillsbury Doughboy is, right? Oh, I, I watched that much, yeah. Okay, okay. You know, when you push the Pillsbury Doughboy in his, in his belly, he laughs. When you push you in your belly, Tabernacle comes out. And that, that's... That's right. And that's... A, but that's I got a reality. I'm not trying that's, to show the reality. It is a no, reality. that's it. it that's what I'm reality. talking about. That's who you are. And that's yeah. what I'm talking about. That's who you are. And as I, I do that, this is the reason... With, with this is the reason that I had to do this. This was something that God put in my, my my heart, in my being, because there's so much going on out there. There's so many people teaching. There's so many people uh, 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 talking about the tabernacle, but they have nothing in them, no real investment. They've read what you wrote. They've read your notes. They've done this. They've done this. They've done this. But there is no heart in it, and it's in you. This is who you are. This is a part of it, and this is what you bring as an apostle to the body. And uh, um, I, I'm just, I'm really excited, okay? Let's, let's go to... If you were teaching from the very beginning, if here it is, you're teaching from the very beginning uh, about the tabernacle, what do you, I mean, I was in your class, so I, I, I mean, you know, I, I, I know something. I mean, you know, I was in your class. But what I'm saying is this, where would you begin? I want you to begin there. I want you to open it up for people. I want you to open it up for reason for whatever it is, however it is that you want to bring it across. Go for it, please. Well, the, the tabernacle has its purpose uh, because the people of God were coming out of something and they needed something to go into. When God brings you out, he brings you into. He brought them out of Egypt to bring them into a place of preservation. And he wanted to preserve them because they weren't ready for the possession of the promise. There were some things that happened to them in Egypt. There were things that happened to us in our sin, happened to us in our last marriage, happened to us when we were kids and somebody violated it, we haven't gotten over that yet. We've been given a promise and we know that uh, we will obtain to the promise, but there's an enemy inside of us that keeps telling us that we're not worthy for the promise. So God brings us into the wilderness and he begins to construct a thing called the tabernacle, which means he comes to dwell in the people to help deconstruct what happened to them in Egypt begins to loose them. They got forgiven for their sin. Now, here's what happens. You get delivered from the penalty of sin, but you don't get delivered from the power of it until you come through the wilderness. Even though you're not going to go to hell for sin, you can still live like you're in hell that sin brought you away. So God brings out, then he built, it takes nine months to build the tabernacle because he's going to birth a nation out of that womb. So he's bringing this new baby in the tabernacle, which is going to be a new creation under me, a holy generation. He's calling for a priesthood. They said, no, we don't want to be a priesthood. They, they rejected. Uh, they were supposed to be the answer to all the other nations being heathen. He was going to use their priestly lives to save the rest of the world, to bring the rest of the. They said, no, let Moses become the intercessor. And we're doing that today. In the church, instead of everybody understanding that there's no one in the church that's not an intercessor. That's the biggest lie we've told the people 
that there's a special group of intercessors. Now, there may be a special group of intercessors because they have the sense enough to stand in a place until the rest of everybody wakens up so they can take their role and take their place. You, If I have a church and everybody's not an intercessor, I have a church that's not going to be effective as it could be if everybody was in their place. The tabernacle shows us the picture of how the church is protected by the armies, by the workers, and by the worshipers. And so we, the tabernacle gives us how God had in his mind that he would always protect the centrality of Christ by keeping the holy of holies in the center of man, which would be in man's heart. And so man would carry the Ark of the Covenant in this day. God would operate out of man's heart because the kingdom can't come with observation. It comes within. And what people don't know is that when they receive Christ, they receive the king. And when they receive the king, they receive this kingdom. So the kingdom has come. So we can stop arguing about the kingdom ain't now. The kingdom is not only now, it's come and it's operating in a people. The tabernacle begins to release every detail of his coming and how aggressive he was that the first piece of furniture that he built was the Ark of the Covenant. He wanted to initiate your salvation. He wanted to initiate your deliverance. No one is in the kingdom because they called themselves. He called everyone, chose everyone to bring them into Christ. No one is in Christ because they made a decision and ran up to the pulpit because some evangelist came in town. God called you before the evangelist was born. God didn't wait for nobody to tell themselves they're the soul winners of the whole world. He had already called you into him before the soul winner even came through his mother's womb. So these things that we say today, it makes men look great and big. But God didn't use men. God used his son, Christ, to initiate. He's the author and the finisher of this. And we see this all played out. Now, one of the things I know that, I, that I've been studying, when you, it talks about when a guy or a builder, it has an idea about what he wants to build. Uh, if, if it's an edifice or whatever it is, it has to suit his requirement. It just can't be thrown up. It has to have the proper foundation. It has to have everything in his mind that he wanted, not like Nimrod had in his mind to do, but as God had in his mind. And God had to stop Nimrod. And he's going to stop many of these other building programs going on because they didn't come, they're not coming out of the mind of God. They're coming out of the architecture of the, of the world we live in and we forgot about building the people. The tabernacle is, gives us detail by detail how we are built up as an edifice, as a structure, a frame, and then covered with these tents and these curtains. But first, we must be framed. And so uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself. But No, I don't want you. I'm not going to let you. Um, I'm going to help you. This I'm going to help you because it's all in you. Um, um, okay, going back, we're still in the initial, in the initial, uh, opening when you are giving picture, you've given a picture of where it is that we're going now, just like God did. He gave a picture of where it is that we are. He start. he showed us the end and now he's taking us back to the beginning and walking us through these things. It's just like right. this house. 
the, the builders had an idea of what this room was going to be like. And I told them, no, that is not my idea. My idea is this is a room offside of this, this, this bathroom, offside of this ma uh, master bedroom. This is a room that is for prayer. This is my room. And I don't want any outside doors. It's supposed to be what it is. And so, as you're saying, it when it was being framed, then I knew exactly where everything was going to go. And this is what you're telling the people. You're telling us, you're re uh, revealing to us that when God built that frame, he knew where everything was going to go. He knew all of these things. So go back to, uh, 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 go back to your initial, uh, as if you were teaching the people line upon line, getting it in them so that they have a foundation. What this is, this first day, uh, this first session is uh, about foundation. So go for it, Apostle. Well, what, what Moses was told in, in Hebrews 8, 5, he says, now this serves unto an example and a shadow of heavenly things. As Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, God said to him, for see, saith he, that you make all things according to the pattern I showed you on the mount. Are you hearing that? And so Moses didn't get to come out of his own mind. He had to stay directly at, to what God told him to do and build it. And so he is doing with the church. The church is not a building where we've made a lot of emphasis on building structures when the emphasis is, is on building a people. And the tabernacle is the example he gave us on how much detail should go in discipling the nations to come into the image of what they fell from. See, Adam didn't fall from religion. He fell from an image. He didn't fall out of a democracy. He fell out of the kingdom. He was the kingdom diplomat in the earth. And God is showing us through the tabernacle how to put this man back together again so he cannot fall. This That's right. man will never fall. He tells us, he says, that if you do this and you brotherly love and brotherly kindness, tempers, makers, you shall never fall. He said, if you don't do these things, you cannot see past your nose. But if you build this thing right, you will never fall. And so this is why we must pay attention to the details and quit telling people we don't need to study the tabernacle because the tabernacle was left for our instruction and our ammunition so that we would know that what was being built in the in the, in the tabernacle in the wilderness was the church in the wilderness. And, and it was exactly like it was in heaven. There were, there was a prayer altar in heaven. There was a, come on, everything that's in that tabernacle, there is a real one in heaven. There's a real replica of the true figure that was typed out in the tabernacle. So we, got, we can't say, don't study it. We got, what does it mean? Where, where is it taking us? How come the church is malfunctioning? Because we threw out the blueprint and we start building according to Microsoft and other uh, builders to have been successful. We even you know, it's, a, it's an interesting thing <clears throat> in my field. You know that my 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 uh, my field is psychology, and but I do temperament therapy. And you can find this. You can find uh, how he created us in the different parts of who we are, who he created us to be, you can find what you're teaching as you're doing this is allowing me to see how 
the different temperaments of man, how it is that he made us, how it is that we fit into it, because I'm jumping ahead just a little bit, but there's an area for the the evangelist. There's an area for uh, uh, the the uh, the pastor and the prophet and the teacher and the apostle. There's different parts of the tabernacle that brings these things forth, and the the the, the people of God, the the uh, the people. And so, in this, as you're describing this, you're allowing us to see the different struggles that we go through. And as you go through these things, I know that you'll talk about that. But everything is in us to be able to go through these struggles because we were made with the ability to go through the strengths and go work with the strengths and to work with the weaknesses. Because different parts of this tabernacle has strengths and the different parts has weakness, weaknesses. And so um, what you're saying is, is, is just amazing. What you're saying and what you're bringing forth is just truth, truth, truth. So go ahead, three more minutes. What I want, what I want you to see, though, is that God knew what, how much damage was done in Egypt. Forty generations, they were damaged, generationally damaged. They were damaged to the core, and so the wilderness was designed not for punishment, but was designed for, for a period of healing, restoration, so He could bring a whole people into promise. He didn't want to bring a half people. He didn't want to bring a tormented people. He didn't want people that needed inner healing any longer. He didn't want to have people in the promise and still couldn't witness to nobody because they remembered what happened in Egypt. So the, the wilderness was designed, the tabernacle and all that it represented was designed to get the people to see, even though they couldn't see God's purpose, they could receive his provision. So he provided for them. He They, they never thirsted their clothes didn't wear out. They never got sick. He was showing them that what he could do, what Egypt could not do, in a place where it was not conducive for anybody to do anything. That's why he chose the wilderness. The wilderness would amplify the ability of a God to provide a people that what they needed without having any anything in the in the environment that could possibly aid God in helping them. God had to make the wind blow. He had to bring things into the environment for the people to, he had to bring food out of heaven because there was none in the earth. He had to bring, come on, he had to cause a wind to blow to bring in whatever God I did. He did it because of what they had inside of them that got damaged and they misinterpreted it. They began to chide and he knew they would do that. That's why he had them millions of animals to sacrifice because he knew they would need that much blood until they got renewed in the spirit of their mind. So God had blood being shed, blood shed for their, for their failings and accusations against him. He built up a system to keep them until the day that he would come and bring salvation to the people. He knew exactly what they would do. He knew exactly what they would say. He built that whole structure to let us know God knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly your hurt. He's not mad at you because you got raped. He's not mad at you because you fell down. He's not mad at you because you don't have it right. He got it right. And he shows us that he never moved. He never moved. The glory never moved. It stayed stationary. It stayed in the right place, which tells us that he never moves when we fall. He never moves when we when we don't do right. He's there. He's there. He stabled himself there, even though they were damaged because of where they come from. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are 27 minutes in, and I'm telling you, do, oh, God, next I'm week, do not miss next week because we're going to still be in the wilderness taking you through. And um, <clears throat> this is Dr. Uh, Apostle Dr. Baker and, and her baby brother, Great. Apostle Calvin Cook, telling you, you do not want to miss next week. Uh, because he is going to bring it. He's supposed to be with me eight weeks, but we don't know how long God might keep us together. So I thank you for joining us on the Tell It Like It Is, the Kingdom Way. And we'll see you next week when we're back. Bye.